Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 1, 2022. And today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the doctor's opinion on page XXVI, the fourth paragraph, though we work out our solution ending with accepting that we, what we have to offer, that one paragraph only. And the readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Dara L, 12 traditions, Tenzin P. Reading the text are Harlan G, Anne-Marie M, and Janice PM is our backup. And the newcomer greeter is Jason K, and the host of the second hour is Nancy C. The reference numbers for Thursday, March 31st, 2022, 7 a.m. meeting is 18,762. That's 18762. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 18,763. That's 18763. On my preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, soliciting nor accepting outside donations. Any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah L. to read the 12 steps. Hi, great. Thanks for your service. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, Katie.
Thank you, Dara. Okay, I will now ask Tenzin P to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. Um, Tenzin P checking in from New York City. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters accepting affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attract attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Tenzin. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the doctor's opinion, page XXDI, the fourth paragraph, though we work out our solution, reading through that one paragraph only. And I will ask Harlan G. to begin reading. Thank you very much, Katie, for your service. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Though we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as an altruistic plane, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who is very jittery or befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, 
as he then has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Well, when I first came into this program, I really did not understand how altered I was when I was eating. I thought that eating meant that I had a physical change. In other words, I got fatter. Every time I ate compulsively, I didn't understand that my brain, my mind was completely altered by the ingestion of this food. And I really thought you could have put me on a lie detector test. I would have thought, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm present in the moment. I'm just fat. No, 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 no. I wasn't even close to present in the moment. So let's take a look. This is the first of four times in an eight-page chapter. This chapter is eight pages. And four times in this chapter, we are going to be notified of the importance. It's, he calls it here imperative. What does imperative mean? Imperative means important above all else, both urgent and important, that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. And that means I'm going to need two solid days of abstinence. And when I came into this program, I potchkeed around and potchkeed around. That's a Yiddish word for just played around. And I wanted to be abstinent, mm, let's call it five, maybe six days a week. But on Sunday, I was going to go to my favorite buffet. And on Sunday, I made a deal with myself. I could eat anything and everything I want to eat. Sunday turned into Saturday and Sunday. That turned into Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You see where we're going with this, right? What I had to come to was an understanding that I was at a precipice in my life. I was either going to die or I was going to live. I didn't see life as being a viable option. I wanted to die desperately, but in my mind I said, let's just give it another chance. Let's give life a chance. I had to jump in or jump out. I had to give up all foods and all amounts of foods so that I could live. And let me say this, the first Days of abstinence were extremely difficult. I suffered withdrawals. I suffered nausea. The back of my head felt like it was going to explode. But what I found was that the, the withdrawals gave way to a beautiful condition. Once I started working the steps, it was fantastic. Now, that doesn't mean that everything was roses and everything was easy. It wasn't. But let's take a look at something that explains the solution because we've talked about the problem here. We don't have a ton of time left. It says, we, <clears throat> excuse me, spiritual as well as an altruistic plane. That means I have to start working the steps. And altruism means that I am going to give with no expectation of return. When I leaned into the fellowship and I gave and gave and gave, which is not consistent with my nature, Time, the food thing became easier and easier. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Thank you, Harlan, for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Janice P. M. Rachel K. Melissa Nancy C. R. 
Nancy P. Let me tell you. Okay, I heard Janice P. M. Phil M. Rachel K. Melissa C. Um, Nancy R. And Nancy P. Anybody else? In this first group. Okay, let's get going. Janice P.M. followed by Phil M. Yes, thank you. And good morning to you, Katie, and everybody. My name is Janice P.M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. So who's writing this? What do I I get from this paragraph? Well, these are recovered alcoholics that's telling me and us that, yeah, okay, Although we know we have the action of the of what the solution is, and it tells us it's spiritual and altruistic, which was explained that after we get recovered, you know, we go through the spiritual toolkit, which is in this book. Then, but but we favor they they favor for the physical part of this illness that I have. We have to be cleared of the foods that we are so extremely sensitive to. And uh, we know what they are. They're called the trigger foods. But, you know, as you, you know, even later on, we, we, we may put some more trigger foods. That, like we may find, like I found that pineapple was a trigger food for me much later. But the real ones uh, in the beginning, it's mandatory. It's mandatory means imperative also that the main that the, my brain be cleared before I am approached. And well, why am I? Why my main? I thought my mind was okay, but it really wasn't. It was befogged. I was jittery, especially when I when I didn't have the food the next day. I would want it if I had a lot of trigger foods the day before. So. It's in accepting what? what? What are they talking about? A chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Well, what did they have to offer? We, we didn't, they were, it suggested, we didn't force it down to anybody, but I couldn't accept these spiritual tools, which are the 12 steps. That's what they're talking about. That's what they had to offer. And to go with the, you know, to continue the spiritual solution. But it's the physical part first. And like was mentioned, there are four places that we must remember that they're reinforcing the idea that we must be abstinent prior to picking up the steps, not do the steps and then become abstinent. This is what I believe, that we have to get rid of the food. We have to know. That's the physical part of my body, so I won't be jittery and nervous. And, uh, and, and that's the first thing. And then I can understand and continue and start this program of action, the spiritual toolkit, which is... Time, please. Which are the 12 steps. Thank you much, and I pass. Thank you, Janice. Okay, Phil M., you're up, followed by Rachel. I think it's Rachel K. Thank you very much for your service, uh, Katie. My name is Phil. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. 
and wonderful to be here and uh, dear Harlan talking, you know, on the um, on the paragraph in question. And what, you know, it reminded me of was the first time I heard this requirement of putting the food down for two days. And I heard it from um, the one person I had been able to sponsor in seven and a half years in the program. I wasn't able to sponsor beyond step five. But she went on. It didn't matter that I picked up and had to drop her. Um, she went on and she found recovery. And she carried this message to me. And the message was I needed to put the food down for two days. And I was furious. I was rich because I thought in my mind, my brilliant mind, that if I could put the food down for two days, I wouldn't need the program. That's how I messed up. I My understanding was I had definitely definitely mistaken abstinence for recovery and we hear it in the room so often abstinence is the most important thing in my life bar nothing but that's not the case that is so misleading because the big book makes it clear sobriety is but a beginning abstinence is but a beginning and that's what it was it's an important beginning certainly you know it's necessary but it is a spiritual answer, it is a spiritual solution. And just being given the grace to put the foot down, being given the grace of willingness to put it down. Certainly, I had so many bright ideas, do you know, in my history, in my seven and a half years history um, in the program. Um, they had to be, they had to go, they had to be left. I had to absolutely admit in my core that I was powerless over this. Um, disease and that I needed a power greater than myself and you know uh, to, to, to pray to pray to that power and to, to trust in that power and to do the work that was required you know and I'm, I'm in, you know eternally grateful to vision when I first did the steps I took months to do step four or rather not to do it to procrastinate around it but it was like walking in treacle, absolutely walking in treacle, and it was dreadful. I got such a resentment towards my sponsor, who was lovely, such a resentment towards the program and a resentment towards God. And I thought there must, there has to be a more compassionate way to do this. And that's what I find in vision. You know, the requirement to do the four steps in 10 days to two weeks was you know, an absolute lifesaver and sticking, you know, close to the big book, the mommy of all our programs. It's been such Time, a please. absolute blessing. And I pass. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you, Phil M. And Rachel, you're up, followed by Melissa C. Hi, thank you. This is Rachel Kay, compul- uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Indiana, although the website still says California. Um, I love I love this passage. And uh, first of all, for me, food is an intoxicant. It is an intoxicant just like heroin, just like alcohol, just like anything else. Um, if it weren't an intoxicant for me, then I'd be at Weight Watchers. Or actually, I I would have gone to Weight Watchers and would have lost weight, and that would be it. It has to be an intoxicant, or why else in the world would I need a 12-step program, a spiritual program, to keep me out of the food? 
Well, if food is an intoxicant and I, you know, and the solution is finding a great power greater than myself and making these decisions, like step three is a big decision to turn my will and my life, you know, my thoughts and my actions over to God. So like when I, if I have a procedure where they, you know, sedate me, I get something that, that I sign, you know, that says, don't make any, you know, don't sign any contracts, don't drive, don't do anything for 24 hours until this intoxicant, this sedation is, is out of your system for 24 hours, um, you know, at least. So I have to be clear of my intoxicant before I really can make that connection with a higher power, you know, not for a week or two, because I couldn't do that. There's no way. But I have to be clear of my intoxicant before at least for 24 hours, you know, 48 hours, probably before I can really grasp that what this is asking me before I can completely 100% admit I am powerless. You know, I wouldn't, if somebody was drunk and stumbling out of a bar, um, I wouldn't say, here, you know, make this big decision about your life. (laughs) I would wait until at least they had sobered up, you know, the next morning. So just because you can't smell it on my breath, or actually, if I went to Taco Bell, probably could, but Um, you know, just because you can't, you know, I can probably walk a straight line, uh, and say the alphabet backwards, uh, you know, after a binge doesn't mean that I am not completely fogged. Um, if I'm not completely fogged, why am I not on a diet? The other thing I really like about this paragraph is it talks about, you know, a spiritual and altruistic plane. This is not a self-help program. This is an other health program. You know, for me, I have to remember the point of all of this isn't so I can become a shining star, you know, so I can, it's so I can pass it on. That's my 100%, you know, reason why I'm here is so I can pass it on to somebody else um, because not to do, first of all, because I owe that debt to all the Time, people. Time, please. Oh, thank you. I'll pass. Thanks. Happy Friday, everybody. Okay, thank you, Rachel. Okay, and Melissa C., you're up, followed by Nancy R. Hey, good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and, um, you know, I really like this paragraph, and I like, um, I think it's important, too, to look like it comes right after we find out that um, that our bodies you know, are sickened as well as our mind, and that this information isn't necessarily coming from doctors, but coming from people who have the experience. And, you know, and that was like new information. And so the rest of the world who, you know, um, doesn't necessarily believe that, um, you know, because, because we're laymen, right? So I don't have the, 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 blood work to demonstrate that I'm, that I'm, that I'm this type, but I know it. So the rest of the world is part of what keeps me maybe defogged, you know, because their information is like moderation, management control, what you're doing is way too severe. And, you know, this, so I'm jittery and I'm defogged when I'm putting the substance down and it talks about hospitalization. And that's really what I wanted to jump in on. I think that's a very important 
word here. Um, and, you know, many of us, myself included, don't go into treatment centers for compulsive eating. I think it's far more common for certain um, types of compulsive eating, certain, you know, maybe bulimic behaviors and anorexic behaviors, but no one suggested when I was over 300 pounds that I needed food rehab. You know, I, I know others do. And so how can I take that concept of hospitalization? What does it mean even to be hospitalized? Um, I think it means, you know, gas to be cleared out of my substance, of course, but to be done in a supportive, encouraging, you know, environment where all outside distractions are at a minimum. And I think that's what's important here. And, I, you know, when we're working these steps, when we're, when we're embarking on this new altruistic spiritual life, we need protection, you know, and support and the outside kind of stuff to be put aside. And so what does it look like to be in the hospital? Mm, tight boundaries, close parameters, lots of support, you know, in simple terms, lots of meetings, new information coming through my brain. You know, if you're in the hospital period, you're not going out to dinner, if you're not going to restaurants, you're in treatment. You know, it's like chemotherapy. You wouldn't be, you know, taking up bridge suddenly or taking a new yoga class. Your focus would be on getting well, getting treatment. Um, and that, for me, has been crucially important. I needed new information to be coming into my mind in a clear, supportive environment. Thanks for that on count. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Nancy R., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning. It's Nancy R. from, <clears throat> from Illinois, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, so good to be on this call with all of you this morning. Um, I was uh, thinking along the same lines as uh, Melanie about this hospitalization period um, and how, um, you know, even though it says, you know, I put down the food for two days and, and thank goodness it's two days because, boy, when I was in the food, the idea of putting down the food for two minutes was um, beyond my ability. So two days, okay. Um, and then during those two days, and even beyond that, like, how do I get through that? And it's with this idea of hospitalization. And I love it. I love what Melanie was just saying, like hospitalization, what does that mean? And I've heard that on a podcast when I was um, working through the steps and but um, heard it again this morning. And it's, I think it's so important. I share it with my sponsees and others that I talk with because like for some reason we think we're superhuman and we can just put down the food and keep doing all the things we are doing in our lives like that's crazy um i can't do that and yet i think in the craziness of this disease that oh of course i can you know i'll go out to dinner with my friends and i'll just eat you know i i just won't eat any of my alcoholic foods which you know the first two days of putting food down i'm lucky if i even know what those are even if i know what they are you know, even if I identify them, like my head is in such a fog, like, oh, you know, what, I, I, I just, you know, it's like walking into a store knowing exactly what I was going to get and not writing it down and, and then going, getting in the store and, and thinking, I have no idea what I'm here for. 
Um, like that's how my disease is, and um, especially in those early days. So I'm so glad for this idea of hospitalization, even though we don't go into a hospital, um, because it is about removing us from all the things that we normally do in our lives. And that may mean that we still go to work. Um, and, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Yeah, I didn't stop you anyway, but thank you so oh. much, Nancy. You still had Let's 30 see. seconds. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, or Are you done? Okay, I think she's done. So let's go on to Nancy P. Hi, good morning, um, Katie. Thank you for letting me share. Good morning, everybody. Nancy P. Recovered in Western Massachusetts. I love this paragraph um, because, not because of, Defogging or unfogging my brain. That's obviously important. But I love that it says we work out our solution on the spiritual as well as the altruistic plane. And for me, that was like a tectonic shift in my thinking. Um, I'm not into the two day thing for, for clearing my brain myself. I asked my current sponsor what she thought. And I said, What do you think? Two days? And she said, No, like 15 minutes. And I respect her recovery. and that's what I think about that. But for me to get better, I had to work on a spiritual as well as an altruistic plane. You know, I can sit on a mountain for a year in the lotus position chanting, and if I don't get off the mountain and do something, I might as well just drive over to Dunkin' Donuts, which I did, you know, many times. Um, you know, I, I, never, um, I never did anything. Or the other half of me would be what I call the busy church lady. You know, in OA, I organized, you know, I got venues. I was the treasurer. I was the speaker bookie. I was the, um, you know, I helped organize marathons and, and you, know, um, you know, different sort of events, you know, where we'd all get together and, you know, have fellowship. I did all that stuff, all the while holding my, my peers in contempt you know, just judging them and feeling like they didn't, you know, that they didn't measure up. Um, and <clears throat> I was always in the food. I was never in relapse. I was never not in relapse because this paragraph doesn't say anything. It says spiritual as well as the altruistic plane. It doesn't say anything about the food plane. And um, that's how I know that abstinence only isn't the answer. Um, my food is in the rearview mirror. I eat simply but beautifully. I eat, you know, I never think about food. Ever, 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 ever. I'm never tempted. I'm never, I'm never, um, I'm never almost eating. I think about it as often as I think about my socks. And I put those on once a day and only for about five months out of the whole year do I even wear socks. So, you know, I feel like those, the, the spiritual and the altruistic plane have to be welded together from head to foot so that I can stay, have a clear brain. But I don't worry about the clear brain as long as I, as long as I do the spiritual and the altruistic activity. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, sorry, Nancy P. And so we are on page XXVI, the fourth paragraph, that we work out our solution, reading just that one paragraph. So who else um, would like to share that hasn't shared in the last two days? Jackie A.M. Carrie Hayes. 
Can we start over? Because I'm not I'm not getting any of those names. Try to speak. Lisa J. Lisa L. Lisa L. Did you get Rosie W? You get Roger V. Red Rachel W. Okay. Okay, let me tell you who I have. I have Karen K, Lisa L, Christina, I think J, Anne Marie M, Rachel W, Roger, anybody else? Mary, Francie, Lisa JR. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, I have Karen K, Lisa L. Christina J, Anne Marie M, Rachel W, Roger, Mary, Fran, and Lisa JR. Is that correct? Anybody's name I didn't say right? Okay, let's start with Karen K, followed by Lisa L. Good morning, everybody. My name is Karen K. I'm from Syracuse, New York. And um, yeah, loving uh, being in recovery. Um, you know, I didn't know what all this really meant, and I'm so grateful for being a teacher of, uh, not a teacher, uh, a student of the big book. I've been uh, putting new podcasts in my head and, and listening to different speakers and um, having them filtrate down into my heart. And I certainly cannot do this alone. I need someone who has done the steps before me. I need to keep in touch with, and I want to keep in touch with other recovered people and also be of service to people that call me. It's so important to pick up the phone when someone calls. And I'm just so grateful. I, I really didn't understand when people would call me to sponsor them. They said, well, I called somebody and they said, I can't go on vacation. Well, I didn't really understand that. Well, why not, you know? Well, now I do because, as it was said earlier, you know, it's important to, you know, get up at the same time, do the homework, obviously go to work, whatever else that person has in life, and just stick to the work and do it quickly and then start sponsoring. And there's just a whole new veil that's been lifted for me and, um, I've been listening to some of the earlier uh, special editions and other OA podcasts and AA uh, podcasts. It's been such a beautiful thing to um, to be teachable. And one thing that kind of made me sad, it doesn't mean, because I haven't spoken in a long time, that it's just so important that the people that I, I heard on the line asking questions in the Q&A, I don't hear today. But it doesn't mean they're not there because they could be. But I know, you know, I've heard that we come in like the 100 and we leave like the 99s. And those voices I had never heard before uh, that were asking the questions. And I just prayed in hope that they were still listening and, um, and giving this program away because I cannot keep it. And I'm, I am safe and protected and in a different way. In a deeper way, I know what that is, and I favor the hospitalization, and I understand more with that niece now, not just in my head, but in my heart, 
and my the whole sponsoring thing is just so much different because God is in the driver's seat. Well, he's always in the driver's seat. It's like let go or be dragged. So I choose to let go and do the footwork. And um, I love this meeting. And everybody have a wonderful Friday. And that's it. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Okay, Lisa L., you're up, followed by Christina J. Okay, um, Lisa Jr. I think that there wasn't an, a Lisa L. So if you want to go ahead, please, Lisa Jr. All right, thanks. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Lisa Jr. from Baltimore, and so grateful to be here this morning. Um, thank you, Katie, for your service, and Harlan for the lead, and all of you that are here. Um, you know, I I went away and was um, for about a month on vacation, and I did not stay tethered to the program in any way, shape, or form. Wasn't uh, doing the message. Prior to that, for years, as a matter of fact, I was a sponsoring fool. I had the altruism down pat. But getting away from program, I really deceived myself, um, and I began to get crazy. So this line, it is imperative that the man's brain be cleared. If he's going to, and, and he's got a better chance if it's clear when he hears this. So I, I looked up the word clear and, you know, this is so meaningful to me, free of obstruction, free from anything that would disturb or blame, convinced, certain, free from confusion, uncertainty or doubt, free from darkness and obscurity and free from entanglement. And man, that's me. I have to be free. I have to be clear. My, and when I'm in the food, my mind isn't clear. And when I'm thinking about the food, even before I've taken a bite of food, my mind isn't clear. I have to remain abstinent um, or I have no chance, no matter how many you know years, months, weeks we have in this program, if we don't cover all the bases, uh, just uh, with a, a degree of hypervigilance that's healthy, we're sunk. At least I know I was, and that's true for me. So I'm grateful to be here um, only after a month, and um, I'm going to stay. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Lisa JR. And Christina J., you're up, followed by Anne Marie M. Hi there. It wasn't Christina J. It must have been another Christina J. Okay. I mean, another Christina. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I was hearing names kind of all mumbled together. So um, is there a Christina out there? Did you you hear maybe Christina L? L? Yes, Christina L. Please go ahead. All right. Thanks. Um, Good morning. Thanks so much for your service, Katie, and everybody's shares and stuff. Really getting so much from this paragraph. I just love it. And um, my name's just, I don't know if I said my name. Christina L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Florida. And, uh, you know, looking back on my, my experience since the time I first came into OA, when I first got abstinent, yeah, I thought I was abstinent. You know, I put down the foods that were really obvious to me. I didn't have um, the knowledge of this chapter at that point. 
um, the information that I needed to really truly understand what my alcoholic foods were and ingredients, not just the foods, but the ingredients as well. And, um, you know, even though I was doing a heck of a lot better when I first got abstinent than before I came in the program, um, I still was just befogged. And I love that definition of clear. I never even thought to look up the word clear because it was just it was so obvious. But it really just describes exactly what was going through my head back then. And, um, you know, thankfully... Um, eventually, I started to identify other things that were a problem, but for a good four years, I was negotiating on quite a few different foods, and, you know, this disease took me for a ride in many different twists and turns the last several years and stuff, where I didn't know, you know, what the heck my alcoholic foods were. Um, I mean, I knew the ingredients, but I really didn't know where I came to know the ingredients in the last few years, but I really didn't know the food. Um, so, and it's, it's been a process. Um, but then, you know, like it was said, you know, I, I can't just put the food down. I have to work the steps. And when I first came in, I think I took a year to get through that four-step inventory. It was, it was really bad. And... Um, I remember hearing, like, on this meeting, when I did find this meeting, that, you know, a four-step inventory should only take about two weeks to do. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Um, I wanted to throw it away and start all over again, but thank God I didn't. And um, it did light a fire under me to get through it quicker and stuff, and I do see that now that, there was definitely some playing around going on with my food back then and stuff. And, you know, I just thank God for getting me where I am today. You know, this last relapse last year was by far the worst relapse I've ever had. And they just continuously, progressively get worse. But this one just did something to me that um, really scared me. <laughs> um, so I don't ever want to go back there. And I'm just so grateful that it's not watered down. And um, I hope that, you know, I can continue to carry that message without watering it down and without all time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christina L. Anne Marie M., you're up, followed by Rachel W. Good morning, Katie and everyone on the line. Um, I am Anne Marie M., uh, through God's grace, recovered from compulsive overeating. I like to point out the, uh, you know, look at the altruistic plane. Um, I can't say enough about working with other people. I was talking with someone yesterday about after finishing up with uh, my sponsor, and she was she was talking about how she's getting a little fearful about finishing up with her sponsor, and then she's not going to have any assignments to do, and she's not going to have you know, the daily work that she was doing through the um, the 12 steps when she was working through the 12 steps with her sponsor. And I, I, I told her that I am working with sponsees now 
and I am working through the steps every single day when I work with them. And it is, you know, I don't think I told you this, but it is much more gratifying when I'm working with someone else, um, when I'm on the other end and I'm sponsoring and the the feelings that I get and the when I when I see, you know, the butterfly turning, I mean, the caterpillar turning into a butterfly and the light bulbs going off and they're like, oh my gosh, I get it, you know, or they understand things. Um, and I don't want anything back from it. That's the thing. You know, it's an altruistic um, movement that I'm doing, and I just absolutely love it. I also want to um, talk about my experience when I, uh, this last time when I went through the steps with a sponsor uh, that had already gone through the steps with another sponsor that was recovered, that she did want me in that hospitalization period, and um, she did want me to have my brain cleared. And I know that my brain needed to be cleared, believe me, because after a binge, a few days, it, I, I'm just so foggy. So I could understand that and was very willing to do that. However, she didn't let me go. I mean, she didn't say call me back in two days. Actually, she worked with me. We, we, we went over my food plan. We talked about um, what my day was like. We just I stayed in contact with her until I was ready to go into the, the steps and start really working the steps. And for me, I find that it's not just, you know, two days, 48 hours. Um, it depends. I mean, if you if you if if the person had a, a binge on um, maybe six or seven cookies and they stopped, um, maybe they need just a couple of days. But someone that's been, like when I binged, I would eat the whole package of cookies, go out, get more cookies to replace the ones that I had stolen from my husband, plus a half a gallon of ice cream. And so that amount of food, um, my brain needed a little bit, a few more days to be cleared up. So I think it's not, um, it doesn't have to be exactly two days, but definitely a period of defogation. <laughs> I don't know if that's a word or not, but I needed to be defogged to be able to hear the message that's in this book. It's uh, very simple, but when my when my brain is is fogged and full of food and sugar, I can't hear a thing. I don't understand. Maybe I can hear, but I don't understand what's needed to be said to me. And so, um, be altruistic. That's my um, my motto for today. And I just get so much out of being a sponsor. I it's and I'm working through the steps, you know, every every day. And I don't I don't go with time, please. I, I, I actually didn't start the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, you're fine. Thank you. Okay, Rachel W., you're up. And we have uh, four more people and we have eight minutes. So um, just go ahead, Rachel W., followed by Roger. Thanks, Katie. Uh, this is Rosie W. in the UK. Um, okay. <laughs> Compulsive Rita. Um, thanks for picking my name in that in that melee. Um, yeah, I think what this paragraph is saying, talking, saying to me today, is that um, right here is written in these lines for me the difference between abstinence and entire abstinence. Um, I came to this meeting in March last year after hearing um hearing somebody sharing in another meeting and as she talked i remember just thinking what what 
hang on this is this is this is what I've been looking for for years and years this is I knew this existed because I could hear in her um a spiritual awakening which I knew was lacking in me and by that point I'd been in OA for 11 years and I had said to countless sponsors something is not right I know that I do not have this life that is promised in the big book I know that I'm continuing to live in the bedevilment I know that I'm not really living the promises apart from occasionally um, and I know that there is more out there for me and was repeatedly told you know you're doing great you know I hear much God in you and I'm sure there was God in me but when I look at it now I see the difference between abstinence and entire abstinence I was abstinent for years um, but there were alcoholic that well there was no there were alcoholic foods in there there were behaviors I hadn't even clocked and there were messy food days where I would get ease and comfort from food where I would eat for an effect and I would eat in ways that were messy and when I would send my nightly review to my sponsor which was never a proper nightly review it was more just a ramble about how difficult things were um, I would talk about how you know how on some days my food had been messy and I see now that I was jittery and befogged um, you know, my brain was not clear. I was not able to hear the message of recovery. And above all, I was not able to connect to God. Um, and when I came here and I heard people talking about entire abstinence, even though I had read the doctor's opinion many times in the preceding years, I had the feeling of great fear <laughs> um, and apprehension, but also a sense of relief because I knew I'd always known that more was needed. I needed to put the food down completely and I needed to work the steps exactly as they're written in this book. Not in a sort of nice padded wishy-washy way. Uh, I needed to follow the precise instructions here. Um, and even today, within entire abstinence, I will still have days where dinner arrives, dinner time arrives, and I realise I'm just, my entire body is flooded with relief because I'm going to get down and eat, get to sit down and eat some food. And so on those days, now that my head is clear, I'm able to take myself away um, and ask Time, God. please. Thank you. And ask God for the willingness to re-surrender because food is never the solution. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Rosie, I think it is. And Roger, you're up, followed by Mary. Roger, compulsive overeater in downtown Los Angeles. Give me just two minutes because I want to be responsible to everyone else who wants to share. Um, I'm going to talk fast. Um, oh, my gosh, this is reminding me of what what it was like in the beginning. Um, you know, when Nancy P. said Dunkin' Donuts, I said, no, Drunken Donuts. Um, for me, sugar is heroin. Um, you know, when I when I came to the program, I, I, did, there, I had no strange lurking notions. Uh, the, the gig was up, just like when 38 years ago I had to admit to myself a God I didn't know and to another human being that I was a cocaine addict. Um, any of any food that was an alcoholic food, it went in the trash. I mean, like a dumpster, something that I couldn't get into, so I couldn't take it back. Um, you know, I for me, it's it, in the beginning, my hospitalization period. Um, between breakfast and lunch, I was in the fetal position taking a nap. And between lunch and dinner, I was in the fetal position taking a nap. I didn't know how I was going to get to the next meal. 
And I, still today I don't like going to restaurants because what they think doesn't have sugar. Oh, well, it has a little of this, a little of that. I've had times where I've been given something that supposedly wasn't going to hurt me, and my eyelids start to flutter. I feel like somebody's hit me over the head like I've been drugged, and I don't like that feeling. If I need pain now, I'll buy a pair of shoes that are two sizes too small and put those on. Um, God has done for me what I couldn't do for myself. I didn't realize my drug of choice was pizza. If you had told me that, I would have thought you were crazy. That I, And yet I would go to pizza places, and they said, do you want it? eat it here or to go? I said, well, I'm going to eat it here, but put it in a to-go box because I'm going to um, take the rest home. It never got past the parking lot. Um, so I keep it real close. Um, I, you know, I, I have no strange lurking notion. I don't do date sugar, cane sugar, coconut sugar, agave syrup. It all metabolizes in my body the same way. So I'm a sleuth. I read labels. Um, I don't, I don't kid myself today. I know what I can Time, do. please. Thank you for letting me share. I'm Roger and I'm out. Thank you. Okay, Mary, you'll be our last share today. And then Fran, if you could please uh, get on for the second hour. Um, can I be heard? Yes, Mary, you have two minutes, please. Okay, hi, I'll be quick. I'm Mary, I'm a compulsive overeater in, uh, recovered in Florida. Um, today, I just want to thank everybody. I celebrate three years of abstinence. And, um, you know, I thank my sponsor, Larry. He brought me through the steps really quickly. You know, I loved what I heard about welding the spirit the spiritual and altruistic plane, applying like that paragraph today to my life, you know, and being vigilant and maintaining balance, you know, in my recovery. And, you know, if that altruistic piece is missing, which is really the first to go for me because I've been given this life of freedom and it's nice and full and I'm not in bondage, you know, that magic mojo inside and that bright light for me starts to fade. So even with the food down, like I start to become jittery and befogged and my brain needs to be cleared. So I recently called my sponsor. I was talking about all my life's events, the pressures of my new job. I had a cancer diagnosis. I got sciatica at the same time, and I was just feeling imbalanced, wondering what to do. And I thought he was going to help me, you know, do a schedule. Nope, nope. We talked about altruism. Was I giving it away? No, it was not talked about giving it away. So paragraph really rings true to me today. This meeting has changed my life, and I just want to thank everybody. I pass. Well, thank you so much, um, and congratulations on your three years. Okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, April 1st, uh, 2022 7 a.m. meeting is 18,766. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Anne Marie M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, <clears throat> this is Anne Marie M. Through God's Grace Recovered from Compulsive Overeating. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God, admit your faults to him, 
and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.